You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to the throne of God and he's accusing us me you right now day and night he accuses he's accusing us he's accusing us the accuser of the brethren this is a title for Satan and oh he accuses us constantly and you know what I have to admit guys sometimes I buy into his accusations sometimes my head goes that way and I start to buy into his accusations and I've got to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God to help me through that to know that I have an advocate with the Father. What is it with the fascination with zombies these days? Did you know that some say Jesus is a zombie, having come back from the dead? Today, Pastor Dave mentions how there are lies that are fed to you that are simply untrue. That's why they're called lies. What's important is that you fix your eyes on what God says about Jesus and what he's done. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 5 as he begins his message, The Claims of Jesus, The Authority to Raise the Dead. The series is entitled The Claims of Jesus. And we looked at Jesus' first claim as he gave his response to the religious leaders after he had healed the man on the Sabbath. They were angry at him. He broke their law, he broke their tradition. And they began to persecute him with the sole purpose of eventually killing him. Jesus is responding to him. And he makes several claims. We studied the first claim last week, which was when he claimed to be equal with God. He called God my father. My father is working and I am working. This enraged the religious leaders caught in the religious box. Today we're going to look at the second claim of Jesus. So if you'll open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 5, specifically verses 24 through 29, is where we'll find this second claim. John 5, 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who will hear live. They will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear the voice and come forth those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So the religious leaders are accusing him of blasphemy because he said he was equal with God. And now they want to kill him all the more. And in claim number two, Jesus now claims in the verses we're studying today that he has authority to raise the dead. Jesus claims that he has authority 
to raise the dead, and to pronounce judgment. And Jesus speaks of four different resurrections in the scriptures today. Four different resurrections. Follow me on this. Four different types, including four different people. But I have an aside. <laughs> have you noticed that there seems to be an unusual fascination with zombies today? What's with zombies? I mean, movie after movie after movie all come about picturing these people who have died from some horrible disease. They come back to life somehow, and now all they're doing is chasing living people for the sole purpose of making them a food source. I don't get it. I don't get it. Did you know that there was even a movie about zombie sharks? You know how I know that? I watched some of it. Ugh. It was horrible. Zombie sharks. They kill a shark and the shark comes back to life. And, ah, ah, ah. Oh, come here. and don't worry, TV is not left out. Some of you may be fans of The Walking Dead. Yeah, it's okay. Hey. Or how about the spinoff, Fear of the Walking Dead? Woo, yeah. Why do I mention this? Because I'm crazy. No, I mention this because there's an article circulating the internet. There's an article that's circulating the internet, and it comes out, and I've read it two or three times, and it comes out mainly at Easter time where they say Jesus is a zombie because of the resurrection. He has come back to life, and therefore he is a zombie, and we are all zombie worshipers, and they call Easter a zombie fest. Yeah. So let's look at this a little deeper. What constitutes a zombie? Well, zombies are imagined creatures that can be described as fully dead corpses that have been reanimated. That is, they act as though they're alive while they continue to go through the natural decaying process of the dead. We have George Romero to blame for a lot of this because back in 1968, he released a movie that is now a cult classic called The Night of the Living Dead. And ever since then, Ever since then, this particular genre of zombies has become a standard for the American movie theater. It's a standard, and it is also a craze that is prevalent in the American society today. But this is not a new idea. This is not a new idea. If you read and you know people who practice voodoo in Haiti or Africa, they've long believed that sorcerers can reanimate dead corpses. There's mythology all over the place. There's legends about those who are deceased returning to life. I mean, Bram Stoker's Dracula is based on someone who is dead and returns to life. Mary Shelley's Frankenstein uses the same thing, taking something that was dead and reanimating it so it comes back to life. But that leads us to a question that we have to answer before we can go on with our study. I hope this will make sense. <laughs> Does the Bible being God's absolute truth, prove the existence or the coming of zombies? The answer is very short. No. And in the Greek, it means no. There's no reference to zombies in the Bible. The Bible has no reference of corpses being reanimated and continued to exist in a state of decomposition. So let's get real from the get-go. Zombies are not resurrected individuals. To be resurrected means to come fully back to life. Resurrection means a living, functional body. 
The Bible tells us of many people that were brought back to life who after they had died a physical death. These are cases of resurrection, not reanimation. After being resurrected, these people went on to live a natural life. They did not wander around attacking people to eat their brains. God allowed these individuals to be resurrected to show his power, to show his glory, that he might be glorified in the fact that someone was brought back from the dead. Everyone that was raised from the dead in the Bible eventually had to die again. They had to suffer another death with the exception of one person, Jesus Christ. Jesus was crucified on a cross. He was confirmed dead. They stuck a spear in his side that went into his heart to see if he was indeed dead. The soldier declared Jesus dead. Joseph and Nicodemus took the body of Jesus, put it in a tomb, and wrapped it in the clothes of death and put ointment and oils in it as they did in that day. But three days later, they discovered that Jesus was missing. The tomb was empty. Hallelujah. Praise God. His burial clothes were folded neatly. And many people thought that, oh, somebody stole his body. But then he appears. He started appearing to people. He appeared to Mary. He appeared to the disciples. And he appeared over and over again, even getting Thomas to put his fingers in the nail holes, to put his hand in the wound in his side. He appeared to over 500 people, Scripture says. The accounts of Jesus' resurrection in the Bible are there for a purpose to help us understand and believe that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we have a life in his name. Jesus did not return as a decomposing corpse. He did not return that way. He was fully alive and will be fully alive there forevermore. This is not the night of the living dead. This is not fiction. This is the truth from God's holy scriptures. This is the word of God in which we believe. Romans 6 verse 9 says this, We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Praise God. So when Jesus speaks of the resurrection, we need to pay particular attention to what he says because it concerns us. It concerns us in many ways. Jesus claimed to be equal with God in verse 21, saying that like the Father, he also can give life to whom he will. And he expands this now, claiming to have the authority to raise the dead. And as we begin, we see those words most assuredly. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, and once again, if you're reading from the original King James, it says verily, verily. Okay? It's very important words. These are extremely words. And what do they mean? Listen. Pay attention. Listen up and receive what Jesus is saying. These are important words. Listen up. The Apostle John records 20 times in his gospel alone where Jesus says, verily, verily, or most assuredly, where Jesus says, hey, knuckleheads, listen up. I'm trying to get something through to you. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Verse 24 and verse 25, he speaks here of the first resurrection that we're going to talk about, resurrection of the lost sinners to eternal life. Verse 25, most assuredly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. He who hears my words and believes in him who sent me 
the Greek word used here is pisteo, and the meaning means to put faith in, to rely upon, to place your confidence in. This is a strong word here used by the apostle. And, and let me show you how strong it is to the apostle John. Matthew used this word pisteo ten times in his gospel. Mark used it, Luke only uses it nine times, but John uses it no less than 99 times. 99 times does the apostle use this particular word when it comes to believe in Jesus Christ. Why? Well, you remember the purpose of John's gospel. The purpose of John's gospel can be found way back in chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. And truly, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe, pisteo, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, another form of pisteo, you may have life in his name. John uses this 99 times. He who hears my words, Jesus says, and believes in him who sent me. Well, we know from Scripture, Paul said that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When we hear the word of God, something happens in our heart. And faith is developed, and we start to believe, and we start to be drawn to God. He that hears my words, that is, hears in the sense of observing the word, keeping the word, and then believing upon God. You know, it's one thing to hear the word of God, but it's another thing to keep the word of God and believe on God. It's another thing to hear the word of God and then obey the word of God. Don't be hearers only, but doers of the word. What do you mean doers of the word? When it says believe, then that's a do. That's an action. We believe. We believe. Keeping his word, believing on God. He says if you do this, you'll have eternal life. Eternal life. You will not come into condemnation, but you've passed from death to life. Now, what has man done with these verses? What has man done in order for us to become a child of God? What has man done? Well, he's developed a religious box. He's developed a religious box. What is the religious box? Rules, regulations. You have to do this. You have to do that. You can't do this. You can't do that. You got to pay your tithe. You got to have, but ba da ba da. Man has created this religious box that we can't get out of. Jesus didn't say any of that. Jesus said, believe. Pisteo. Put your faith in. Put your trust in. Rely upon Jesus Christ. It's an action. We lay these burdens on people and it becomes denominational. We lay this thing. But Jesus says, if you just hear my word and believe in him who sent me, you'll have everlasting life. You're not going to go into condemnation. Why? Because it's not Jesus' work to condemn you. Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus doesn't condemn. Who is the condemner of the brethren? Satan. He condemns us all the time. He accuses us all the time to the point where when we read the book of Revelation, the angels of the book of Revelation cry out to earth, whoa, 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 to the inhabitants of earth, the accuser of the brethren who accuses them before God day and night. Picture this. Satan has access to the throne of God, and he's accusing us, me, you, right now. Day and night, he accuses. He's accusing us. He's accusing us. The accuser of the brethren. This is a title for Satan. And oh, he accuses us constantly. And you know what? I have to admit, guys, sometimes I buy into his accusations. Sometimes my head goes that way and I start to buy into his accusations. 
And I've got to be rooted and grounded in the word of God to help me through that, to know that I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, to know that I'm being taken care of, to know that I've been covered by the blood of the Lamb, to know that his blood cleanses me from all unrighteousness, and I can go boldly into the throne room of the Father. And I know that. But Satan continues to nag at me. He continues to nag continues to nag at me because he wants you to get that into your head and he wants you to go off and, and feel sorry for yourself and do some, well, you know, I'm just going to go off and do this and do that. Scripture says, no, if you believe in the words of Jesus Christ and believe that God sent him, you'll come into everlasting life. There is no condemnation. What a great, wonderful life that is. That's true life. That's passing from death to life. It takes us all the way back to John 3.16 when we studied that, when Jesus declared that believing in, trusting in, clinging to him is the pathway to God. But here in chapter 5, Jesus says that hearing his word and believing in the Father, him who sent me, is the path to everlasting life. And again, the Greek word, pusteo. Is this confusing? One minute he says, if you believe in me, you have eternal life. And the next thing he says, you've got to believe in the Father to have eternal life. This shouldn't be confusing us at all because the Father and Son are united in their work. They are united together. You can't believe on the Son without believing in the Father. You can't believe in the Father without believing on the Son. They go together, hand in hand. True belief in the Father is belief in the Son. True belief in the Son is belief in the Father. When you worship without Jesus, you're not worshiping God. Because in order to worship God, you've got to worship Jesus. Because they are one. They are one. If worship doesn't include Jesus, you've got a problem. You know, Jesus takes these words and he's throwing out to the Pharisees these religious leaders who are caught in the religious box, and he lifts himself above any mere man. If you hear my words, can you imagine? If you hear my words, that's how important my words are, Jesus says. Only God can give everlasting life. Only God can give everlasting life. Remember what we said last week about Jesus being equal with God? Either these are the words of a babbling, insane man, or these are the words of God himself. There's no neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. Jesus says, but has passed from life to death. We've gone from life to death. And if we go back to those beautiful verses in Ephesians 2, verse 1, and he, God, made you alive who were dead in your trespasses and sin. In other words, the lost sinner who is in the midst of sin is nothing but a lifeless, helpless corpse. He's dead. He's dead in his sin. And the picture here is spiritually dead. The picture is spirituality, folks. That's what the Greek word nekros means. Being spiritually dead is a condition, and the condition is caused by sin. When you're spiritually dead, you're in sin. The wages of sin is death. This is spiritual death, and that's separation from God. Separation from God. And then in verse 4 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, we see these beautiful words, but God. You were spiritually dead. You were caught in sin and trespasses. You couldn't find a way out. You were crying to claw your way out of the religious box. You couldn't get out. And God, but God, reached down and put his hand there. God, because of his mercy, because of his rich love for you, because of this great love that he has for us, loved you with an everlasting love and said, I have a plan. Look at my son, Jesus Christ. He's going to a cross for you. Come out of the box. Come out of the box and be saved and have everlasting life. It was God the Father 
who raises up us together in Christ. God the Father, who made us sit together with Jesus in heavenly places. Praise God. Praise God. You know, that's where we are right now, in heavenly places, seated with Christ Jesus. That's what it says in Ephesians 1. Seated with heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And if I'm on the right hand of God the Father, which is where Jesus is, if I'm seated in heavenly places with him, as Ephesians 1 tells me, and I'm sitting there, and I'm on the right hand of God the Father, and I want to speak to God, all I have to do is go, Abba. So you're going to ask, how are the dead going to be raised? Well, in verse 27, it says, by hearing the voice of God. They hear the voice of God. Jesus looked into the tomb. Jesus looks into the tomb of Lazarus, and he screams in there, Lazarus, come forth. Well, why did he just say come forth? Because if he did, every other dead person would come out. But he cried, Lazarus, come out. They hear God's word. They believe that Jesus is the son of God. Faith comes by hearing. When we heard God's word, we believed in Jesus Christ as our Savior. We who were spiritually dead are now made alive. Because we heard the voice of God and we're convicted by the Holy Spirit in our heart. Because God's word is living. It's powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, it says. It's able to cut through everything on its way straight into your heart. And it convicts you of sin. God's word does several things. It convicts us and exposes our sin nature to us. It exposes the need for a Savior, and then it tells us who the Savior is. That's what God's word does for us. Going from death to life, we've all made that transition. How can Paul say we're new? How can Paul say we're new men and new women? Put on the new man. That's the resurrected man. We've gone from death to life. Death to life. In verse 26 and 27, Jesus makes reference to his own resurrection. Let's look at that. For as the Father has life in himself, so he, the Father, has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Jesus speaks about his own resurrection. We obtain our life from Jesus Christ. We obtain our life from Jesus Christ. But folks, Jesus is an original. Jesus is an original. Remember what John said in John 1, 1, in the beginning was God, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus has preeminence. He was there. He's an original. And John 1, 4 says, in Jesus was life. Grave couldn't hold him. He proved that. Death couldn't defeat him. He proved that. Peter, in Acts 3.15, calls Jesus the prince of life. The prince of life. Jesus is unique because he has life in himself. It was granted to him by the Father. Jesus has life in himself. The life that Jesus had was derived from no one. We received our life from our mothers and fathers. God breathed. Jesus was there. Jesus was there before time began, before the foundations of the world. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as I Am, 
In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on A Sure Hope.